Hey, this is Sandra. This is Jess. And this is Emily. And you are listening to Town Meeting, a Gilmore Girls Rewatch podcast. All right, we are back with part two of Let the Games Begin. Uh, This is our second of our new episode style. And we have a summary today from Sandra. Oh, yes, that's me. <laughs> Don't Sandra, so I bet you will do much better than I did last time. I was our first fail of the season, so let's see what happens. Let's see. Count me down. I believe in you. Ready? Thank you. Three, two, one go hi 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 yes it's jess and rory the early years the two are officially together much to the excitement of luke and the indifference of lorelei except luke realizes halfway through that jess and rory being together means jess and rory will be together meanwhile richard invites slash cons rory into visiting yale where he springs an interview on her upsetting all the gilmore women the night ends not only with a perfect kiss but also with a climb up a tree to apologize to an ex who doesn't want to hear it and oh yeah Yale starts to become a maybe, not a no. Oh my gosh, like, perfect. Bam. Perfect. Holy crap. I think 30 seconds is longer when you guys have yours. <laughs> I think that maybe there's like a time a no. time hole. Yours is actually like we 15 get episodes seconds. <laughs> that have like long scenes where <laughs> actually only like one thing happens. And or we get those episodes and you get episodes like every five minute scene is a thing <laughs> yeah. that needs to be mentioned. <laughs> But congratulations, Sandra. That was definitely a success. Thank For you. sure, yes. Awesome. I'm going to put me as past. So, unfortunately, right now, Jess, you are losing. I know, and we've kind of discussed what I might have to do if I fail, and I'm genuinely a little scared. <laughs> well, I'll let you sing again if you want. <laughs> um, we'll see. We won't spoil it. <laughs> well... You succeeded with your summary. Let's see how you do with references this week. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Alright guys, I gotta be honest, I'm gonna talk about murder and violence this week, because it seems like- Why not? This wholesome show, this wholesome show about this mother and daughter, all they do is reference murder and violence. (laughs) So that's what I have for you this week. Um, So first up, in the beginning of the episode, Lorelai and Rory are having issues walking, 
um, because they're in so much pain. And Lorelai asks Luke for a pair of legs that Heather Mills is giving out. And I had no idea what that meant. So I had to look it up. Yeah, no clue. So Heather Mills is a former English model and activist. She was married to Paul McCartney. Yes, that one. Um, from 2000 to 2008. But before that, in 1993, Heather Mills uh, was walking in London and she was crossing the road when she was knocked over by a police motorcycle who was speeding um, in response to an emergency. She suffered crushed ribs, a punctured lung, and she lost her left leg below her knee. Yes. Um, she was awarded 200 grand by the police as compensation, even though the police officer in question was never nothing, you know, it was cleared. It, it, he, he was just responding to an accident and she was in the way. I don't know. But in responses, Mills sold her story and she got another 180 grand. So she used this money to set up the Heather Mills Health Trust. Um, which ran from 2000 to 2004, so during Gilmore Girls this time. Um, and the trust would deliver prosthetic limbs to people who had lost limbs overseas due to war or landmines. Um, so when Lorelai asks for a pair of legs, Heather Mills gives out, this is what she's referring to. I guess at least it makes sense. Like, yeah. I understand what the reference is now. I mean, good for Heather for making something good out of a tragedy yeah but... she's known for showing her prosthetic and like trying to bring awareness to mm-hmm. um her cause and everything so she seems like a you know a great person it's just like what a dark joke <laughs> we've had darker mm-hmm. that's fair the next one is gonna be even darker um so next up let's talk about frank lloyd wright Oh, and, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And expand Curiosity on Curiosity got me when I watched the episode. Yep. And expand on that story Lorelai told Emily at Friday night dinner about a servant attacking Wright's house with fire and a hatchet. This is very much a true story. I was 100% convinced when I watched that Lorelai was making the whole thing up. So did I. That's it's what it sounds not. like. It sounds also, like a fake story. I had him confused with Andrew Lloyd Webber as well. So Frank Lloyd uh, Wright was a very famous architect. He was born in 19... How was he born in 1987 and died in 1959? I don't think that's 1887? Yes. He was born in 1887 and died in 1959. Um, He has designed more than a thousand structures. And specifically, one of them was the Taliesin Estate, completed in 1911 in Iowa County in Wisconsin. So at this time, he had been married to Catherine Tobin, but he left her for Mary Borthwick, also known as Mama Cheney. So here's the thing. He was married to Catherine. Mary was married to Cheney. And they both had kids with their partners. So when uh, they had this affair, it was a huge scandal. Right? Because this is not really something you were supposed to do back in the day, apparently. It was so scandalous, actually, that Wright did not get another commission for a project for another, like, four or five years. And he's, like, one of the most famous architects ever, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he was also almost arrested for immorality. Oh, wow. Uh, wow. Yeah. So it was a whole thing. Their affair, everything. They moved to this place, Taliesin, in 1911. It was a beautiful place. Uh, made... Him and the affair partner. Yes, Mary. Okay. Or Mama. 
it was a beautiful place made only of local building material and was supposed to be like one with nature. So there were fruit and vegetable plants placed all around. There was a tea circle in the middle of the courtyard with oak trees lining it. And then a really huge apple orchard. And obviously with a place like this, as big as it is, there needs to be a house staff. And in 1914, Julian Carlton, a 31-year-old from Barbados, came to work there as a chef and a servant. And he was originally really attentive uh, but he became more and more paranoid as time went on. And apparently he would stay up late at night and look out the window with a butcher's knife. Okay, that's a red flag. <laughs> he he would not be on my staff anymore. I'm sorry. Um. So here's the thing. One part of me is like, well, if anyone's going to have a butcher knife, it's a chef, right? At night? But at night, staring out the window. Is he in the kitchen looking like he's about to go chop something? Or is he, like, in the library (laughs) looking out the window? with Like, very different situations. I cannot give you that. Nobody knows. What I can give you is that people uh, reacted just like you, Jess. And Wright put an ad in the paper. Before he even fired him, he put an ad to replace him. And Carlton was given notice that August 15th would be his last day. Sure was. It did, he didn't take it well, let's say. Um, especially since there was another incident with another staff member in the days leading up to his last day where racist comments were thrown. Like, it was just a hostile environment. And, you know, Carlton basically decided to kill everyone. Um, just as Lorelai described, I don't want to go into details because they're pretty horrific. But fire and a hatchet axe were definitely both present. So, uh... So maybe, was accurate. Yes, she was. She was very accurate. And uh, maybe sometimes just deal with the walnuts. I actually don't believe that. Allergies, but still. <laughs> deal with the walnuts. Yeah, yikes. Also, it sounds like a lot more to the, to the build-up than a couple of days of not doing what you're told. Yeah. Um, Then again, all levels of crazy exist, so. A little bit more facts about the Taliesin estate. After it was burned down, he rebuilt it, and it became the Taliesin II. It then burnt down again because of an electrical fire, fire, and now it's the Taliesin III. (laughs) Hmm. Yes. Let me Uh, know when it burns down. Right? (laughs) I feel like that place is cursed. Yeah. Yeah. Probably by... The former chef. I wish I had more wholesome stuff, but unfortunately all the references were pretty much along these lines of murder, violence, or weirdness. So, you know, maybe next week. Who knows? I'm fine with the weirdness. <laughs> <laughs> um, but after references, we have a song with Emily. Books, movies, and music with Emily. Yeah, so we have multiple mentions of a book this episode, and yet no titles. Rory and uh, Jess go upstairs to Luke's apartment to borrow a book, and then Rory bolts with just a cheeseburger in her hand, and then she recommends a book to the Dean of Admissions. Again, no title, nobody knows. So what we have this week is 
I believe one of our listeners actually commented or maybe sent a message about how the song Then She Appeared playing at the end of the episode when Maury walks up to Jess was just like the perfect choice for that scene. Um, And it inspired me to do this media reference. So Then She Appeared, it is by XTC is the name of the band. Um, It was on their non-such album that came out in 1992 on Virgin Records. The song itself, while it really is a beautiful song, was not a single. It didn't have any kind of like special acclaim to it, so there's not really a whole lot of information about the song itself. But XTC was an English rock band formed in Swindon, which is in England, obviously, um, in 1972 by Andrew Partridge and Colin Moulding. They signed with Virgin Records in the 70s, um, basically in the middle of the rise of punk and new wave. The main founders were mostly huge Beatles listeners. They were inspired by them quite a bit. Um, they were also inspired by ska, 1960s pop, dub music, and avant-garde. Between 1979 and 1992, so 13 years They had a total of 10 albums and 6 singles that reached the UK Top 40. Yeah, so their main singles coming out with Sergeant Rock is going to help me and also Senses Working Overtime. Uh, What was kind of interesting about them is they never made any profit from any of their albums that were released on Virgin Records. Oh, interesting. Why not? Due to poor management, they received, they never received a share of the profits from record sales or touring revenue, and they went into massive debt between the 80s and the 90s. Um, In 1993, they went on strike against Virgin Records, citing an unfair recording contract, and soon extricated themselves from the label. There was an ongoing um, lawsuit against them, or against Virgin Records, that I don't think has been fully resolved yet and this is mid 90s so they are they are on a different label now i believe andy partridge actually has his own recording studio and they have released a couple of albums since then they have also broken up for and took a short break as well but i would agree so the um the song itself is so pretty have you guys ever listened to it to it like the whole way through no it's i think it's a very pretty song and the album cover for Non Dutch um, also kind of blew me away that it was inspired by a Non Such palace that Andy Partridge saw um, when touring Europe. So um, Andy Partridge, he got the name of the album after seeing Non Such Palace in Surrey and thinking that the archaic word Non Such meant does not exist um, when actually it means unique. Hmm. Um, so he took the artwork from cartographer John Speed and kind of did some colorization to it, and that was the album cover. The album itself was released April 27th, 1992 by Virgin Records in the UK, um, and then it was released a day later in the United States. The main singles off of the album itself were The Ballad of Peter Pumpkinhead. And Great title. The, right? I thought so. And um, The Disappointed. Yeah, so that was XTC. Um, They got together in the 70s, and they were new wave punk, essentially. The song itself came out on the Nonsuch album in 1992, and then had this wonderful song in this episode of Gilmore Girls. Then she appeared. After that, we have Fashion with Jess. Making 
This was kind of a blah fashion episode. Um, obviously, we have some really great iconic moments, but we do not have great iconic outfits. My kind of worst dressed of the episode does go to Lorelai's very first look. Her coat is just kind of gross. Um, it's like a brown suede with a faux fur trim. And then she's got this kind of lilac colored v-neck collared long sleeve under it. Um, the coat looks like, um, something you would use in a, a kid's production of The Wizard of Oz for the lion. (laughs) Like, it's just, it's just a little bit too much. I think having it be full suede with the faux fur, it looks like one of those coats that you'd touch and you'd be like, oh, I'm going to go wash what my that hands. Like. Um, so that's my my worst dressed. Um, we also have just some weird fashion in the episode. Uh, on the day that everybody goes to Yale, Lorelai decides to wear this bedazzled t-shirt that has um, a, a, maybe like a geisha on it. It's very much that early 2000s um, Asians as tokenized fashion. When did Memoirs of a Geisha come out? Yeah, well, I think that was later because I think we were I in. I think so, too. But. I was in middle school, at least. Um, just just a weird piece of fashion. It's very Lorelai. She wears it with a leather jacket. Um, however. Belt bucko. Well, that was also the fashion. <laughs> yeah. Just a pretty blah fashion episode. I will say... He may not have been a good guy in this episode, but I did love his look. Richard and Emily's Yale outfits. I love when Richard and Emily are, like, subtly color-coordinated. We saw, obviously, the red and black for Lorelai's graduation, but this is another instance where they're color-coordinated, where Richard is wearing, you know, a camel coat with a yellow tie, gray slacks, and Emily has a cream-colored blouse on with kind of a, a yellowy cream necklace, string of pearls. And I just thought that they look really sweet together. Everything up until Richard, you know, surprises them with the plans. It's just a really sweet day out look. They're going through essentially walking down memory lane and they look adorable doing it. So Richard and Emily are my best dressed of this episode. Not best behaved, but best dressed. Uh, otherwise, we had some pretty blinking you miss it kind of, you know, Henley's uh, three-quarter length sleeve shirts. Jess has some weird fashion. He's got one of those overprinted shirts where there's just a bunch of random words on it. Yeah, I wasn't super impressed. Anything I missed that you guys loved or hated? Um, I liked his, like, military-style shirt um, when they go upstairs to Luke's. It's like the, that tannish... I think that one was at the very beginning of the, of the episode. Mm-hmm. I just like him in a simple button-up, apparently. Yes. Well, I mean, it's <laughs> fall, and we know that Jess loves to layer, so we'll see him doing a lot of things layered over Henley's multiple shirts layered together, which is a very cute look on him. But, yeah. So that was a kind of meh fashion uh, recap. Last week, we told you, as we're recording, we're all very low energy today, so... Hopefully that hasn't carried over too much. But after fashion, we have Stars Hollow Speaks. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, so starting up, we're going to talk about our the episode that we put up two weeks ago. Oh, God, the schedule. Um, the Devil Eggs Part 2. So just shouting out all the people that commented on that. Thank you so much for listening. We've... Uh, we were a little nervous putting out a separate episode uh, with the segments, but I think it's been going well, and uh, you guys have seemed to really liked it as well. So, Andy Lyons, you say, I love that Dan uh, Palladino was the town loner. I do too. Honestly, when Jess told me about it, I was like, oh, that's awesome that it's just Dan Palladino as a town <laughs> loner. Um, and then... KGRY uh, said about Jess's car. It's a 1969 AMC Ambassador, a uh, complete makeout car, <laughs> a complete makeout car. Um, yeah. Velour upholstery, reclining seats, air conditioning, and promoted as a limousine ride at an economical price. Uh, not only was Jess being an all American boy by wa- working at Walmart um, and eating apple pie. He also bought an American-made car. People are restoring them today, um, but I couldn't find very many of this exact make or model. Girl, you know way more about cars than I do. Because <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. But thank you for that information. And then we have a couple more comments. Um, to Earth from Pluto said for, again, this is for Take the Deviled Eggs episode, that she would have chosen Gypsy as the town person of the week. Hmm. Now, I'm trying to think back to this episode because it's been a couple weeks now. Um, but this is the episode where um, they go to the baby shower they, and Gypsy makes the, uh, gives hands over Jess the car the to car Jess. Gypsy, yeah. yeah. Interesting. I mean, I wouldn't be against it. I don't We all love Gypsy. I mean, I love Gypsy in, this ep- in that episode. <laughs> yeah. So um, I believe we gave it to Lorelai. Because Lorelai, you know, went with Rory and all that stuff. But I understand where you're coming from. Um, I get it. And then Robert Books, who says, um, so fun as as in the episode was so fun. And that we mentioned your comments. I, that she loves this content. My Gilmore Girls friends. That's so Yay. sweet. Oh, <laughs> Thank you. I would feel very special if the podcast I listen to mentioned my name yeah i like run to the <laughs> run into my husband's office be like they mentioned me <laughs> a blog i used to follow like religiously mentioned a comment i i did one time and i was like oh, i'm on the blog so I get <laughs> you're <it>. made <laughs> all right well up next um we have some thoughts on the dance marathon episode that didn't make it into that episode starting with l Elle had some capital T thoughts on this episode. <laughs> and um, we love it. <laughs> <laughs> so 
So Elle said, Hot take, I only hate Dean in this episode, not despise him. He was 17, his girlfriend was emotionally cheating on him with a guy who was antagonizing him, and this had been happening for such a long time. You could only hate him from Roy's perspective, and as people who know better, do better. But also remember that a 17-year-old has hormones, and are people too. I'm never team Dean, and personally, I think he was an awful boyfriend who... Dang, I deleted my continued post and lost my train of thought. Basically, Dean bad. What Dean did was bad, but I don't think it makes him as bad as people think. I would like to say, if you ever have a response this long, we love it. Send it in a message. <laughs> it's okay. Messages are always accepted. Yes. But I also understand being like, I have a hot take, and this was a hot take. I think yes. we agree, though. The, the arc that Dean has been on from where we started this season to where we're at in this episode today, masterful writing. I think we have all shifted from hate Dean to dislike Dean, but also feel for Dean. Um, mm-hmm. And that's, that's the way it was written. So I love your hot take and I totally agree with it. Thank you very much. And we also had a couple of comments um, about Jamie. So we already mentioned Lisa's comment about Jamie, which was justice for Jamie, maybe up there with Dave. Elle asked, why do you girls think they made this decision from a writing standpoint? To bring Jamie in? Yeah. Why? Yeah, that's just uh, Jamie being in it. Um, So I think they want to humanize Paris a little bit. Yeah. I think Paris has been this caricature for a little bit. And they want to give her a love interest. She deserves a love interest as well. Mm-hmm. And Jamie is perfect. Yeah. I'd say they also needed a reason to let Paris let Rory out of the the Franklin (laughs) planet. Yeah. And nothing short of Jamie would do it. (laughs) But it's also, I think it's a nice reminder that, like, Paris is a teenage girl. She is pretty. She is smart. She is absolutely dateable. And Mm -hmm. it's not a surprise that somebody like Jamie would be into her. You know? She is interested in boys, and while we don't see it very much, I honestly believe it just because nobody is up to her standards at Chilton. Yeah. Which is totally fair. So thank you, Elle, for that food for thought. And then after that, for this episode, we also have a couple of messages as well. Um, first, we have from Ninja Slayer Girl. She says, I love how cute and nervous Jess and Roy were around each other in this episode leading up to their first big kiss as an official couple. Their chemistry was off the charts, and then she appeared with such a perfect song choice for their first kiss with the lyrics like the blue eyes part. It fits them so well. This is the message that made me think of the song. So thank you, Ninja Slayer Girl. (laughs) Also from Ayla. Ayla says, to me, that kiss is the kiss in Gilmore Girls. The Mm -hmm. song, the environment, the episode, and season long build up to that final scene. It was dreamy to me the first time I watched it as a tween and just as dreamy to me now as a young adult. I think you can also see Rory really exercising her agency in this new chapter of her love life. She and Jess mutually initiate this first official kiss in comparison to Dean surprising her in season one. This is just another example of how her relationship with Jess, even though I know it'll go downhill and get bad pretty quickly, especially at the beginning, is a much better and mutually matched pairing where she's treated like an actual adult who is equal to him. Uh, She also says, I'm actually Team Logan, but I love this (laughs) moment for Rory and Jess. Um, And then also, I know we kind of mentioned it earlier, but um, Ashmirsky, 
I that Ash says Ash my sky. We always struggle with that. <laughs> it's <laughs> Ashley. <laughs> we need you to on this Ash, we need you to phonetically send us your username <laughs> so we can pronounce it. Um, she says, I laughed at Richard proposing to get out of a fight because my now husband talks all the time about how he almost did that for us. His, his original plan ended in us bickering, never go hiking on an empty stomach, but he ultimately waited until we were in better spirits. Of course, the almost proposal story gets told more often than the actual story, so really, it was a win-win. And if you want to hear Jess and Emily's proposal stories... You can listen to last week's episode and hear all about it. And then you can listen to me describe the <laughs> process of building a bookcase. And it's the same level. And right? it went great for all of us. Yep. Yeah. All of us had fantastic <laughs> stories to tell. <laughs> but that wraps up. I think, Sandra, you had one more thing to add, right? Yes. I just want to give a quick shout out to Mackenzie and Gabriella, who both sent this comments this past week. Um Thank you so much, girls. And then also, I want to bring up this poll. I didn't mention it last week, but I do want to mention it this week. And it's basically, hey, Richard, doing the stunt at Yale, was it horrible? Rory wasn't prepared for it. Not great, but his heart was in the right place. Or it was fine. Calling it a trick is a bit much. I want to know your opinions. Can I combine the first two? Horrible, she wasn't prepared, but his heart was in the right place. I mean, yeah, it would basically be the How second How do you one, vote yeah. for both? Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely, I know when I voted on that poll with my own personal account, because uh-huh. I got in trouble previously for maybe double voting on a past poll, um, I voted that it wasn't cool, but his heart was in the right place. I mm-hmm. don't think it was appropriate, but I do think he really was trying to just give Rory an opportunity. So our audience is really split on this, actually. Um, Not great, but his heart was in the right place. Is winning, but not by much. Um, Horrible, she wasn't prepared, is right behind it. And one person did think, yeah, this is fine. (laughs) Richard. (laughs) I can only assume it was Richard Richard and Emily. (laughs) Um, So I think it is a combination of, you know, it was bad timing. Rory was not prepared. But I understand why Richard did it, and ultimately, it led to her going to Yale, right? Mm-hmm. So, Richard, you could have come about it in a different way. It's all, I think we we can all agree on that one. Yes. Yeah. Hey, listeners, a few comments got missed while we were recording, so I'm going to read them for you now. Emily said, one of my faves, because it looks so fun, but also such an emotional episode. Ashley said... So happy to see Rory sticking up for herself regarding the surprise interview. Also found it sudden that Jess and Rory are just together immediately without transition time. And Lisa said, never doubt Lorelai when she thinks her parents are up to something. Um, But yeah, that was Star Solo Speaks this week. And we're done with the episode, I guess. But to close it off, I need to tell you about coffee. Now, guys, I always ask the question because I, I want to not have the responsibility of <laughs> of of marking this down. Rory, uh sweet baby Rory goes to the diner, sits down. Luke is like, "You guys brought tacos to the diner. You're going to have at least coffee." Pours the coffee and then she goes. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Literally, to be he fair, pours though, the coffee as she walks. Like she's standing up. She. They make the reaction of Elise have coffee. Coffee with tacos. Ooh, gross. And then he brings it anyway. So that's on Luke. Yes. I mean, <laughs> I, yeah, no, it's on Luke for pouring a cup of coffee after she says, "I'm going to go study." But I'm gonna say that that's not actually a cup towards Rory's count. She no, she you don't drink, drink it. it, right? She doesn't drink it at all. It's just um, Luke wasting coffee. It is, which means Lorelai had three cups of coffee, and Rory only had one cup of coffee. So okay. this is actually Lorelai's highest count this season thus far. I'm actually surprised Rory even had a cup of coffee. Because she was so distracted by the awkwardness of Jess every time she was mm-hmm. in Luke's. So here's the second part. When Lorelai comes over to Rory at the end of the episode, she comes over and she says, I have coffee and Ovaltine. Is she saying, I have coffee for myself and Ovaltine for you? Or is she saying, I have coffee and Ovaltine for the both of us? I think she totally combined yeah. them. That's what my fiancé does. He has, like, black coffee that he mixes hot cocoa powder into. Okay. So, in that case, then she did have, like, a mocha-esque drink at the end, which would be her coffee. Yeah. So, does that give her two or one, then? No, that's just one. That's her okay. one. Okay, so yeah. that's her that's one. Her okay. One. Yes. It's not pure coffee, but it is coffee. It is coffee. And there's coffee involved. Um, And then I did count Lorelei having a cup there too and Lorelai has a cup at Luke's um and then she and then obviously the has a cup out of yes. the car mm-hmm. stunned coffee does count she does <laughs> drink it well thank you so much for joining us for our part 2 of let the games begin they have definitely begun Jess and Rory are together or woot woot it's very sweet <laughs> Yale is in the running yeah Yale is here less enthusiastic woot (laughs) as always i was jess i was emily and alexander see you in the next one Bye. bye bye thanks for listening to town meeting a gilmore girls rewatch podcast if you'd like to get in touch with us you can do so on instagram or twitter at town meeting pod or if you'd like to send us an email send it to townmeetingpod at gmail.com. And if you'd like to toss us a couple bucks and support the podcast, find us on buymeacoffee.com slash townmeeting.